This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. CC Conversations, where we take our most previous series here at Central Church, we discuss it. And so I'm sitting here with uh, some of the lead staff. Uh, guys, why don't you go ahead and tell me your favorite 90s pop song as you introduce yourself. So we have Seth with us. Seth, what is your favorite 90s pop song? Um, let's see. I'm going to go with... Uh, Come on. God, there's so many. I'm going to go Just sing with, a little bit of it. Uh, Baby girl, yeah. That's 2000s, but I'll but, but, count but it. But that's good. Yo, gal. That's good. That's good. Uh, Carmanos, what, what is what is your favorite 90s pop song? Um, I have you on my Instagram story earlier singing every word to TLC Scrubs. Maybe. So that might be part of it. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Ooh, ooh. That one. I like that. That's a good one. I like that. All right, Chris, uh, Chris, Chris uh, what is it? Chris Daniel Johnson? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, Christopher. Yeah. Yeah. Christopher Daniel Johnson. What's your favorite uh, mid-90s uh, pop song? Pop song? I don't know. You can go early 2000s. We can stretch oh, it a little bit. Well, so here's the thing. I wasn't allowed to listen to pop music oh, in the 90s. Oh, that's right. Okay, then what's your favorite Christian song from the 90s? From the 90s? Come on now. Um, I'll give you an album. It was Take now. Me to Your Leader by Newsboys. Nice. That was the best. They don't serve breakfast in hell. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Yeah. That was the best one. Yeah, that was yeah. a good one. Yeah. It was either that or the one right after that. It was called Step Up to the Microphone. Nice. I'm a Newsboys connoisseur from the 90s. Well done. Yeah. Well done. Leo Leo Bautista, what is your favorite 90s song? When you said that, like one particular part of one particular song got stuck in my head, and yeah. I don't know the next part. So you got to help me. Okay. It's like... I don't want to play the fool in the screen for two, so I'm leaving you behind. Bye, 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 dude. Yeah, yeah that's bye, 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 man. That's, that's the whole thing. That's yeah. what I figured. Okay. I love it. Who remembers just the bridge of bye, bye, bye? <laughs> uh, right. I'm leaving. And then that's when JC hits that, like, epic, like, Yeah, I mean, low-key, I was like, I couldn't listen to '90s music, but I could. I, I would sneak and sneak at Backstreet Boys. <laughs> not gonna lie. Most, most I'm not gonna were, lie. Most kids were sneak listening to Eminem, and he was sneak listening to Lance Bass. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, goes from Newsboys to Backstreet Boys to NSYNC. I love it. Um, I don't know if mine is classified as pop, but um, one that one that just changed my life forever, man, was uh, I think it'd be more R&B, but. Um, from the Save the Last Dance soundtrack, Casey and JoJo, crazy. Oh okay. Going crazy, 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 just to thinking about you lately. And they got like the crazy like I auto tune in it. I can see like. That's like that's like Jack Black and Nacho Libre. Yeah, yeah. You're doing the whole like. <laughs> I can, see, I can see preteen Rich just crying in his bedroom. No, no, so to what that. I do is what I do. What I do is I We're stand, standing in front of the mirror singing I know, it. I'd stand in the shower and pretend it was raining on me. And uh, and we had a we had a boom box because you know boom box was like the, the thing then. Yeah. And uh, we had like a we had like a Memorex like color coded boom box that we kept in the bathroom because that's safe. And uh I just blare Casey and JoJo just that one song over and over, and I'd stand in the shower and act like it was raining on me. That's so good. That's so good. Yep. 
That's so good. Okay. So, uh, so that's who we're here with. That's, that's the background story of all these people that are going to share some insight. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about our How to Neighbor series that we just came out of. And so we spent week one talking about a perspective of love. We spent week two talking about how our protocol is service. We spent week three talking about how our position needs to be mercy. And then last week in week four, we wrapped it up by talking about practicality and how we need to keep in step with the Spirit. We went all the way back to the, the kind of foundation verse for the whole series that was love God and love people. And we said uh, the practical application of this is to love God and love people in that order, that we're able to love people through loving God and reciprocating his love to him and to others. And so did you guys have any thoughts as a whole on the series or did a particular week stick out to you? I know this is the week of house churches, so we haven't really had a chance to talk about the last couple of weeks uh, with our house churches yet. But have you any thoughts at all on the series, um, How to Neighbor? Yeah, so um, on my, um, I like wrote a bunch of them down and then I put them all over like Facebook and um, with a bunch of like different emojis from from uh, one of the weeks. And uh, one of my favorite quotes from the whole thing was, when you said kingdom protocol is to identify with the marginalized and the outcasts. Uh, and then like I read, you know, just like going through scripture and you read about like how God shows no favoritism. But then if like we as people see like a well-dressed man who comes in wearing like, you know, fine jewelry and stuff and uh, we like pull up a seat to the table and like have, you know, like we treat them with like VIP treatment and then somebody who's homeless comes along and we like set them away from us or whatever and like how we've judged and we're marginalizing people as well. And like, yeah. that's kind of like been a, a big theme that like I've taken in through the whole thing is just how we categorize people that we meet and who we justify as being like good enough to be treated as a neighbor rather than just as somebody else who we marginalize automatically anyway. And so, um, yeah, like for me, it's just been like, it's been, um, it's been more about like trying to identify with myself, like, the tendencies that I have to disqualify people yeah. from being treated. Um, I, I would never say it like this because it sounds so terrible, but, um, you know, if I'm honest, like, disqualifying people from being treated, like, good enough or worth yeah. my time or yeah. worth my service or whatever. And so it's really been, like, a challenge to just, like, stretch that 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 blanket of love out further that sounds weird stretch out the the banner of love further yeah. and and really like you know draw other people into it and not disqualify or qualify people based off of my own like notions of them so yeah that's good that's really good yeah totally i um i actually was listening to a sermon like on a podcast a few weeks ago and something that the pastor had highlighted that i had never realized before was He's talking about in Acts, uh, I think he's like 20, uh, where Peter has that like vision of the, all the unclean animals in the sheet and that, yeah. that whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, and basically what that ends with uh, is Peter going to Cornelius and Cornelius was a Roman guard. So Cornelius was like the top of the classes, you know, he was rich, he was successful, he was wealthy, he was looked upon with like, like in, in that world, in that culture, he was looked upon as like a, a 
big deal, you yeah. know? And then, like, Peter being a Jew and a fisherman really didn't have any reason for anybody to respect him. or And he was, like, the definition of marginalized, you know, between the Romans and the Jews. Like, oh, yeah. they literally oppressed and enslaved the Jews. And so, basically, when Peter goes to Cornelius, one of the first things he says to Cornelius in Acts is, I see now that God shows no favoritism. And, like, basically the guy was saying that it's the craziest thing that the Jew went to the Roman and was like, I see now that God shows no favoritism. It's almost like a, like this super equalizing thing because it was like God used Peter, who was the lower class, to go and speak to the higher class and say, like, there's no difference between us. Yeah. You know, like God sees us the same. Yeah. You know, I just thought that that was really cool. Yeah, that is cool. And that kind of goes right with what we were saying. How yeah. Broadening our view of who our neighbors are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. I know in week one, um, we talked about how Jesus says it's paramount to, um, you know, to love God and to love other people. Um, and it, it was, it is, it's interesting to think through loving other people because it's easy to love other people that are, that are like, like you, that look like you, that think like you, that listen to the same music as you, that talk like you, that go to the same restaurants as you, that go to the same whatever. Um, it's easy to love those people, but... You know, it's a lot harder to love those that are so different, you know, and to love the other. And, you know, we talked about in week one, we talked about the, the story of the Good Samaritan and how, you know, the implications of that. Like when Jesus was talking about the Good Samaritan, that would have been like something that completely and totally pissed off all the religious leaders. Like they would have heard that and been like, it would have been infuriating to them. Um, even the Jews, even the, the audience who heard it, the, you know, for the book of Matthew and all that, um, it would have been something that was super, super controversial, super, super hard for them to hear to say, you know, you have to love the other. And, um, you know, as a staff today, we went to something where the speaker was, you know, the other <laughs> for us. And so even even in the conversations before we started rolling today, it's like, man, yeah, it's, it's kind of another just like realization that, yeah, we got to. We got to love that guy, too. <laughs> you know, we got to love that guy just as much as. We love the person that's easy to love, mm. you know. That's hard, and mm -hmm. a silence hushes over the crowd. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even if he is acting like a turd. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was yeah. that was yeah. my quote from this uh, from that past series that I thought was really funny. Uh, Grace is not permission to be a giant turd. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. good, man. Because that's. That's, that's true. First of all, the imagery is just vivid. <laughs> <laughs> Not just a turd, but a giant one. A We've giant turd. There. But, um, <laughs> no, it's true, man, because people abuse. It's, like, grace is a funny thing, you know? Like, it's just kind of like people want grace. Like, I saw this a lot when um, <laughs> pap paparazzi all on my face, sorry. Uh, you see it a lot with, like, um... Uh, like down in Florida when, um, what was her name, uh, babe, uh, Casey Anthony? Mm. So like when Casey Anthony was on trial, if you guys need a refresher, let me hit you with it. Um, <laughs> she was on trial. Her daughter went missing. Her young daughter went missing. Um, they found her body. Um, she had been killed. And then like in Casey Anthony, the mom's trunk, they found several items that could have been incriminating uh, to her, things like trash bags and cleaning chemical, chem chemicals, um, just different things like that that were kind of what they found, like, pieces of, like, the daughter's hair and stuff like that. And 
somehow they they managed to uh, find her not guilty, and I remember just like the uproar, man, like how people were just like throwing a fit, you know, and just were upset that this woman caught a break, you know, and it's just funny when you look at just little examples like that because everybody wants grace when it's themselves, you know, but then when we see other things or other instances of people not getting what they deserve or like the justice that needs to be served to them, everybody's in an uproar, you know what I mean? And so it's funny because a lot of times I feel like we got to ask ourselves, like if we're in the crowd, like when Jesus was on trial or whatever, you know, like who would we be in the crowd? You know, would we be chanting like to let Barabbas go as well? Or would we be like incriminating or it's the same thing to incriminate Jesus or to ask for Barabbas to be let free. But like what side of the crowd would you be on? Cause everybody's so quick to assume that they'd be like, Oh no, Jesus, you know, but like how we act, how we act sometimes like we want people to get what they deserve. And sometimes we act like really like bloodthirsty. And if yeah. people don't get it, we're like, what? That judge is crazy. The criminal justice system is flawed, and we'll be, and we want all this stuff, but everybody wants grace on themselves, and so it's um, it's a good reminder, man. Like just because you have grace and living in the the knowledge of like the fact that you're forgiven and that you know um, grace is freely given to you, um, and that Jesus doesn't hold that stuff against you, um, a lot of times people can have a tendency to abuse that as well, and just kind of be like, well, I don't. I'm not to blame for this. I'm blameless. It doesn't yeah, matter right. what I do. And then you right. just you just wear that out. And so it's true. It doesn't matter how far along you go in your faith. Um, there's probably areas of a lot of people's lives that, that we abuse if we were to look at it and things that we should just kind of submit to and just let God take control in and stop stop abusing that grace that's there. So Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I think that like in, uh, I want to say it was the second week. Was protocol the second week or the first week? Yeah, protocol was the second week. Yeah, Service. Yeah, that was when we talked about being others-focused. Yes. And um, I think that that's, like, that's the whole key to a lot of it is when we think about, like, like uh, you know, we want something that we want to get something. We want to get a break. We want to get grace. We want to be shown mercy. But then we don't reciprocate that to other people. Oh, or um, we do view ourselves as higher than other people and stuff like that. And I think, like, the whole be others focused thing is the whole thing. Love your neighbor as yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. So love them the same amount. Like, expect the same things that they, they're, they're supposed to get all the same things that you expect to get. Right. They're, to, they're supposed to have the same treatment that you expect to have. Right. And so, like, if you give yourself the benefit of the doubt, which we always do, <laughs> always, yeah. give them the benefit of the doubt. Right. You know, and always expect the best from them just yeah. as you would expect the best from yourself. Right. You know, and uh, I guess yeah, the, the so first true. step of that is actually loving yourself. Some yeah. people have that problem, but um, a lot of people have that problem. But like, you know, once that step has already been, it ha- has been confronted and stuff, then the next step is love others as you love yourself. Which right. really goes deep. Yeah. It's hard, you know. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. So we talked about, yeah, our perspective needs to be love, our protocol needs to be service. And then week three, we talked about, um, you know, our position needs to be mercy. And we talked about how, you know, um, I shared that a lot of times people ask me, you know, what's your stance on this, what's your stance on that? And I, I, I was open and honest of saying I stumble through that question a lot, not because I don't know what to say or how to say it, but it, the, the reality is oftentimes when that question is asked, it's not to gain understanding from where what I believe. Oftentimes the question that's really being asked is, do you agree with me? <laughs> you know, do you believe what I believe? Or can you affirm my thoughts on this? 
um, on where do you stand? And so I kind of combated that and, and tried to shift the perspective on it a little bit and say, rather than saying, you know, where do you stand on this, uh, our, our, our objective should be who do we stand with, you know? And um, Seth and I were talking earlier today about how do we create change within the context of Christianity, within the context of the church? How do we, how do we get people who are so different that have such opposing views more on the same page, you know? How do we get them to not, how do we get it to not be so polarized within the body of Christ, you know? And we were talking about it, and, and it's hard to say, you know, on a micro level, it's relationship, you know? It's it, like, like Greg Boyle says in his book, and I quoted on Sunday, the tattoos in the heart, it's like, you know, it's hard to demonize the other when you know the other, when the other has skin and flesh and bones and a family and feelings and thoughts and all of this stuff. And so it's really hard to demonize the other when you know the other and you're in relationship with the other. But on a macro level, you know, how, what, how does that even happen? You know, what does that look like? How do we create a change to where people have empathy with one another? They have grace with one another. And Seth asked me that, and I was like, well, they write a book. I guess you write a book, and then people read it. He's like, yeah, but then they ostracize you out of the community if they don't agree. And it's, it's like, That's it's, so true, yeah. Like, what do you do to bridge that gap? What do you do to have not such polarizing views within the body of Christ? Yeah, I you don't know? know, man. That's I feel like that's something that we as a church are like figuring out and like we'll continue to have to figure out probably for the rest of our lives. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like it's a it's a it feels like a huge mountain to climb and you just kinda have to like chip away at it. Yeah. Here and there. But I think it's like it starts to to me where it starts is just doing the right thing. Like you know what what God has called you to do and who God has called you to be. And I feel like a big part of it is just you do what you know you're called to do. Yeah. And it's the small little things, you know, over and over and over again. Like like how Jesus in that in the story of the Good Samaritan that we were talking about, like we talked about it that week and like highlighted that Jesus talked about this Samaritan who was, like, the good guy in the picture. And the Samaritan right. was not the good guy. They took the total enemy of the Jews right. and said, this is the hero, be like him. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, like, imagine imagine if Jesus would have told that story nowadays and oh, he's, yeah. like, a Muslim. A Muslim, you know? yeah. And, or, not, you know, I mean, not to demonize Muslims. No, but any but other thing that's in contrast to Christianity. Any other thing that we feel like yeah. is, is opposite is of the other our of Christianity. worldview or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, if you were to, like, hear that, would that provoke anger in you or would that make you feel like, oh, yeah, I get it. But it's funny because even the Pharisees that he's talking to, the teachers of the law, the lawyers that he's talking to are saying like, um, you know, he'll say, well, who was the one that did the right thing? And the lawyer says the person who showed mercy on him. Right, right. And so then Jesus just says, go and do likewise. Yeah. That's it. Just like four words. Yeah. Like Jesus solves the whole puzzle. Yeah. But it's not a quick fix. It's yeah. not going to go viral. It's not going to explode and take over the world. Unfortunately, that's not the kind of thing that catches fire like that. You yeah. know, it's yeah. just the kind of thing that you have to plug away at and do the right thing, even though you know that yeah. it's not popular, yeah. you know? Um, and it has to just to spread relationally yeah. on a micro level until it infiltrates yeah. larger scale. You have to show that mercy to people. It's yeah. that easy. Yeah. Yeah. Carmen, did you have thoughts? It was just an analogy. It Chris kind of already covered it, though, I guess. But um, 
I remember hearing this analogy just before that, like, if you're standing in a pool um, and you need to give water to other people, like, you can give it to so many people, but then finally, like, your pool's gonna, your water's gonna be gone. And just, like, how, like, it's not our job to provide that pool water for everyone in the entire world, but to who we can around us. And just how, um, just, just the example of who you impact and how you can impact others, but kind of Chris kind of already said it just you know you can't go out and change the whole world or you're just going to be let down because it's just not possible like we're supposed to affect who's close to us in our pool because that's where you have those relationships and you can make a difference and that's what I think that's what changes people um yeah I heard somebody um somebody say one time um you know a lot of people a lot of people uh start off with like big ambitions to do things um that make impacts like that but then they quickly get discouraged because um they they look at things like i'm going to change the world at large when really the focus should be how can i change my world not meaning like you know um Sorry. My world 2.0. <laughs> yes, yes, dude. Thank you. I was gonna make a Justin Bieber analogy uh, or joke. Anyway, um, but not not worrying about um, not worrying about like reaching for something that's like so hard to to obtain, but like instead look at your your sphere of influence. Look at who you're around every day. Look at who you encounter on a regular basis, and how can you uh, be a better steward of like where you live, what you have in your control, your resources, all those different things, and then start there and try to change that. That's why, um, you know, shameless plug for the youth group, but, um, you know, like, that's why we kind of made our punchline lately, um, uh, our city needs us, you know, like, you know, we could go out and be, you know, planet shakers and, you know, world changers and all that, and, you know, no knocks to them, but, um, like, you know, we feel like, if we can affect students right here in our community, then those students will go out and, you know, when they grow up, when they graduate, when they go to school in other cities and they take those things with them as well, that um, they'll change those people groups. And then it's just, it's, it's a domino effect, you know? And so if you start with something that's more manageable, then, um, you know, that will kind of spider web out and, and start to uh, uh, have more of a cause and effect as it goes. But, what I was going to say for me, a big thing is how do you change that is from personal experience, I think people need to stop making their own, their own image of Jesus an idol because a lot of people build their own Jesus in their brain who agrees with everything that they feel. And, um, you know, like I struggle with this. I struggled with this for a long time, like being able to admit when uh, like th- like being able to come to a common ground with people if they like have a different view of like Jesus or view of the scripture or whatever. And I still have like, you know, obviously where I stand at, but I mean, you guys know that, but um, things will get really ugly really quickly if people didn't agree with me because, um, because it was just hard for me to, to, to detach my mind from who I thought Jesus was and how I thought Jesus is and, you know, like how I thought scripture depicted things. And then when people came against that, even though they were believers, 
you know, I never gave them the benefit of the doubt in that. And so things got really ugly, but I realized really quickly that it was because I had painted a picture of Jesus that I was comfortable with. And if they had a different picture of Jesus in their mind that didn't suit mine, then I would start to like question their maturity and their faith. And I would start to, you know, at like really hard extremes, I would start to question like their standing with like the Lord and their salvation even and things like that. And so, you know, really, if you trace that back, the root of that is like, you're making an idol out of, out of your own beliefs about who Jesus is. You're not willing to let go enough from all the peripheral stuff. Um, and just say, you know what, like at the end of the day, you feel how you feel. I feel how I feel. But, you know, we all believe that we, we share the common view of the work of the cross and that Jesus is Savior. And that was not okay for me for a while. And I think a lot of Christians are still at that point where that should be the bedrock. And as long as we have that unifying yeah. statement out there that who, of who Jesus is and what he's done, um, then we should be able to just lock arms and work together for the kingdom. But a lot of people don't. A lot of people are like, if your Jesus isn't looking like my Jesus— yeah then we don't then you don't follow Jesus. Yeah, and that's you know? such a hard thing too because any time that you begin to do it's weird because people feel like if they do any sort of give and take whatsoever they're not being they're not being true. They're not being, you know, uh loyal to to Jesus, but really it's their version of Jesus. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like it's hard to do because as soon as you begin to sort of open your be more open-handed in life with things, it's scary. You know, and it's it stretches you and it takes you out of your comfort zone. And anytime that you're leaving your comfort zone, that's a scary thing. That's that goes against everything inside of us. You know, everything points to let's be comfortable, let's be safe, let's you know do what we know. And whenever we get to this point where we have to say, "Man, I don't know about some things," that's that's freaky. You know, that can get that can get crazy. And so, tr- that and I think that's the trick that we try. That that's the, the 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 tricky part of Central Church and what we try to do as a staff is we say, okay, we have so many different people that come to our church with so many different backgrounds, so many different belief systems, and so many different places in their journey. Because there are some very mature Christians, there are very some immature, very very many immature Christians, and everywhere in between. And so, you know, finding a way to balance all of that and to keep the conversation going with everybody from all the different perspectives and all the different angles and, you know, getting people to come together under the umbrella of Jesus um, and have these conversations is, is it's, it's tough, yeah. you know? Yeah. It we is. We got into it a little bit. Um, you, you broke it down a little bit, like the complexities of the story with the Good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. But, like, the, one of the things that I love so much about the story is that, like, uh, as you had kind of talked about, there was the priest and then there was the Levite. So you had like your religious person and then yeah. you're like super religious yeah, person. Right. Right. Yeah, right. And then, and then when Jesus brings the Samaritan into the story, it's like now you're bringing in somebody with ideological differences, theological yeah. differences, oh, cultural yeah. differences, um, and even to the point of like wars and oh, yeah. fighting and violence. Yeah, the extreme you know? other. Right, right. Yeah. And so not only do you have ideological differences between the religious people, but you also have cultural differences between the Samaritans and the Jews and then you've got like other things that are wrapped into it like uh you know like you like you there was the Martin Luther King Jr. quote that we read where it was like this actually wouldn't have been a safe thing to do like what if the guy was a thief or what if he had Mm -hmm. what if these were still around or like you know there's so many different things so many different angles and I love that like Jesus intentionally 
in that story embeds all these different angles. Yeah. Like it was like there were ideological differences involved. There were theological differences involved. There were cultural differences involved. There were uh, there was risk to your human well-being yeah. involved. There was yeah. all of these different things. Yeah. And in the end of the story, like he never sorts it out for them. Like no. the story starts with, well, then who is my neighbor? And Jesus doesn't sort it out for them because he knows that they'll know. Yeah. They just know it in their hearts. Yeah. And so he literally just says like, who was who was right, and right. and the lawyer just says it was the man that showed mercy, and I just I love that because it's yeah. so simple, but it basically Jesus intentionally brings all of these things, all these hot button issues to the surface, right? And he doesn't glaze over them, but he says none of those things matter, right? You know, mm-hmm. none of those things matter. It was the person that showed mercy that was right, yeah. and I want you to be like them. Yeah, you know, yeah, and just, I think that that when we're talking about like having all of these different sides and having all of these different like we have different people and different life experiences and you know just everything from from anything you hear in the news to the way people vote to the way people react to social justice issues to the way like there's so many different yeah. things, but like Jesus intentionally brings it up, and then intentionally leaves it on the table. Yep. You know, I just I love it. Yeah. But I think that 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 we can learn something from that, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's super, super cool. That was that was a cool that was a cool week. I really like diving into the the Good Samaritan and all that. And so we went we went perspective of love. We went protocol of service. We went um, the third one, which was a position of mercy. And then the final week, which is this last Sunday, um, we talked about practicality and um you know, we talked about how if we say that, you know, just being a good person and just living right and doing all these things is all that we're walking away with, then obviously we're not catching the whole picture, right? And so we said that it's important to realize that in this whole love God, love people thing, the love God is very, very important as well, you know? And so we kind of took a Francis Chan approach a little bit to this um, in his book. What's his book? His marriage book? Do you guys remember? Oh, I don't know about it. You what is forever. it? You and me forever. In his marriage book, You and Me Forever. Spoiler alert. Um, he says, "You want to be a better husband? Follow Jesus better. You want to be a better wife? Follow Jesus better, and these things will happen." And so we we kind of said sort of the same thing of if you want to be a good neighbor, follow Jesus better. You know, you want to be you want to be able to love people. Well, first you have to love God and allow His love to permeate all of you, and it'll just overflow in everything that you do, but did you guys have any thoughts on the final week with, uh, that we talked about this past Sunday about practicality and all of that? Um, I thought it was good that you made mention that um, the fruit of the Spirit yeah. um, is evidence, like work, like evidence of all of this stuff that we work through, like falling after Jesus as evidence that that's happening in your life, yeah. rather than things you like specifically strive for, because like in the middle of the message, I remember thinking like, oh yeah, that'd be good to just like write, like love, joy, peace faithfulness yeah. all this stuff like on a piece of paper and like tack it on my wall yeah and then right after that you're, you're immediately after i thought that you're like these aren't things to individually strive for these are like this is the evidence of like you following jesus in your life and i'm right. like dang it <laughs> if you're wondering what that big pop was that was leo smacking himself in the head real hard with the palm of his Actually. hand yeah no it's just hard. it was my it's the shape of my palm i think i, yes. I clap really loud too okay and it hit my forehead so you have hand cannons right. i like it yeah I like it. Yeah. I like it. It echoed through the whole room. Yes, it's actually did. really impressive. Yes. I'm really proud of myself <laughs> that. For was that was a good head slap. Yeah. But no, yeah, you're right. It's that that's it. Those are not <laughs> things to be attained and, and chased after. It's not some, you know, universal moral code that we need to encourage people to strive towards. That's just something that should come out of us as we're following Jesus. 
And yeah. so we don't need to pursue love. We need to pursue Jesus. We don't need to pursue joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We need to pursue Jesus. I said that really fast. It's really impressive that you know all of those. Like it was, a, it was like a, it was a Micro Machines commercial. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Sunday School. I don't, I don't oh, know okay. that song. Sing it again. Because the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then there's even a cool part where it's like, the fruit of the spirit is not an apple. The fruit of the spirit is not an apple. If you want to be an apple. You might as well hear it. You can't be a fruit of the spirit. Because the fruit is love, joy, peace, I can't believe you don't know it. I've never heard that song. No. No, that was one of those things. Yeah, yeah, kids' church. That's one of those things. I don't know. My mom always hammered home the fruit of the spirit, that and the armor of God. Those were the two things that my mom was like. I got a song for that too. You gotta so know those. Don't, don't cue me up. Gotta know those. Cue it up. Sing it. What's the armor of God song? Go. No. Ah, she put the mic up to her mouth. She put the mic up to her mouth and then stopped. She's like, oh, no, 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 I can't. I won't sing it, but it's put on the. Sing full. it. Sing it. It's like put on the full armor of God. Stand strong. Against the evil one. <laughs> it's like in there. <laughs> first things first, we got the belt of truth. Ew. Ew. Put on your shoes. You got to tell the good news. <laughs> Everybody okay. looked at me. I'm not going to do it. Come on, where's the hey It's too long. It's too long. Go That's solid, that though. Go look it up in Ephesians. That was like a halftime rhythm. <laughs> okay. We don't, we don't yeah. have time for that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, Next the practicality. Really got time for double time. <laughs> but yeah, the practicality, the fruit of the spirit, man, that should be evidence in our lives. And if it's not, we need to chase Jesus more, and we need to follow Jesus better, and we need to surrender and take a posture of dependence on the Holy Spirit. So, are there any more thoughts? Any uh, anything else to add, Chris? I saw you going for the mic. You got you, no nothing, no Christocentric. Oh, he had some Christocentric. No nothing. You sure, Christopher Daniel? Are you positive? Like like how many percent positive? Like two thumbs up. Okay. Two hundred percent. Two oh. Two thumbs up. Ooh. So one thumb okay. is one percent. Or two point oh. My world two point oh. My world two point oh. Perfect. All right. All right. So final thoughts. Any final thoughts? Anyone on any of the stuff? How to neighbor? Any closing thoughts? Ideas? Comments? Concerns? Oh, I did have something. Oh, there so, it is. Um, Bob put the quote from your message uh, this yesterday yeah. into the house church notes. Okay. And it was specifically, the quote was something like, uh, don't strive to act different, be different. Yes. And that like sums up exactly what you were saying, but mm-hmm. it also, I think, sums up the whole series. Yes. It's like, we can talk about loving people the way that we love ourselves, or we can talk about loving people the way that God loves them, yeah. or seeing people the way that God sees them, but we can't do that. Right. Like, realistically, I don't have the capacity to do that. Right. And I know I don't, you know. And so, like, we can keep striving. We can keep fighting and working hard and all those things. And we're still, in the end, we're going to come up short. And we're going to yeah. be selfish. And we're going to be stupid. Yeah. And we're not going to show mercy. And this is because that's just, that's how we are. Mm-hmm. And, um, but the flip side of that is we do have the spirit in us mm-hmm. and if he is moving in and through us and he's changing us he's making yeah, there's us transformative person, power there we act like jesus act yeah. acts acts yeah. i almost said acted but yeah. acts no yeah you're right um and our heart do begins to break did yeah for the things that break the it heart just of god it changes our yeah. heart in a huge mm-hmm. way and i think that that's the that's the whole thing yeah. you want to be a better neighbor like you said be more like jesus yeah. and that that covers the whole spectrum and yeah. so i just i love that that's that's the takeaway because yeah don't act different 
don't try and act different. Yeah, maybe put yourself in situations where you're going to meet people that are different than you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Do those things. Be proactive about it and allow God to change your heart through that. But the, where it starts is you can't really act different. No. You can't really put yourself in those situations and expect yourself to respond in the no. godly way. No, like, you got to seek God and he may, he transforms you to where you become different. So yeah. you're being different, not acting different. Yeah, yeah. That's huge. I bro- you different. know what I borrowed that from? Is um, Repenting of Religion. Like, best book ever yeah, by yeah. Greg Boyd. But he uses it in the reference of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where he's saying, love is patient, love is kind. You know, it doesn't envy, mm-hmm. it does not boast. And he's saying, don't act these things out. When you experience the love of Christ, it changes you, and these things become normal, and you you are different, not acting different. And I thought, man, that's so applicable to the fruit of the Spirit as mm-hmm. well, that you don't act these things out. When you experience God, it transforms you, yeah. and it becomes who you are. Yeah, Greg Boyd said in that book, um, I, there was a page that I highlighted that I remember it stuck out to me like I think crazy. there were one or two pages that I didn't highlight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was phenomenal. <laughs> um, but I, I like went and got a highlighter. Like yeah. I, I usually use a like pen. Like straight up fluorescent yellow. Got, yeah. Because this is he going said something in. about how like the whole New Testament explains a Christianity that is something that has to be experienced, yeah. not something that can be known. Yeah. So like it's not some it's not it's a not list a of things thing, that you can thing. like live up to yeah. and as long as I know all these things. Yeah. It's something that has to happen and take place in you and it you yeah. become a completely different creation. Yeah. It's it's nothing about like living up to a standard. No. It's it's all about being like Christ. Yeah. And you can't be like Christ unless you have Christ in you. Right. You know. That's good. Uh, um, Ricky Vick, any closing thoughts? Yeah, I would just um, I'd like to close with a short story. Um, legit, it's it's really short. So, uh, I, I went to CVS to. It, for those of you who don't know, my wife is glaring at me. Uh, because I talk too long, so <laughs> love, love you, babe. So um, put her on blast on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, because they got they got no one pausing. I'm hesitating now. I'm nervous. <laughs> um, so anyway, so I went. I was going. I went to CVS the other day um, to pick up my medicine, um, and so I walk in and I go to the pharmacy counter, and there's a girl uh, that's working the pharmacy counter, and she. I think they're called hijabs. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The head, the head, head covering. Yeah. And she's wearing the hijab, and so I obviously know, like off off jump, that she's pretty serious about her Muslim faith, and um, you know, obviously still practicing pretty heavily Islam and everything. And so she walks over to me, and she gives me my medicine, and I'm about to leave, and I'm wearing um, my my youth group shirt, which says like you know big fat letters on it, Central Church, and I'm wearing a, a hat that says Glory on it, it's got a cross on it, and so it's pretty obvious, like, you know, that I'm representing, you know, Jesus, because I'm, you know, I'm about it, and so, um, <laughs> she, um, she's, she obviously can see this, and she's looking at me, and she goes, she goes, um, she goes, do you want to donate, um, like, you know, a couple bucks or whatever to, you know, um, the, you know, whatever the donation thing was at the time, and, uh, <laughs> Obviously, it was really important to me, and so um, I was like, "Yeah, sure." I was like, "What are the donation increments?" And she was like, "You can do like one or three or five dollars." And so I was like, "I'll get five dollars." And so she was like, "Really?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." And so she's like, "Okay." So she takes my donation and she goes, "That's." Uh, I like. She's like, "I like your shirt and I like your hat." And I was like, "You do?" And she was like, "Yeah." And she was like, "What do you do?" I was like, "I'm actually a youth pastor." And she was like, "Well, that's awesome. Well, thank you for donating." And she said, "She goes." Um, Man, if the world if the world had more people like you in it, it'd be a much better place. Wow. 
and it blew my mind. I walked out to the car and I just sat in the car and cried. I'm just kidding. I didn't. But I wanted to because. Is that a jab at me because I go sit in the car and cry? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, sorry. Just don't take me to see corny Christian movies because I will cry the entire yeah, time. Yeah. Um, Rich so, started crying at the opening credits of The Shack and didn't uh, stop until we got to the car. The opening credits. <laughs> <laughs> and it was cold too when it came out. So my tears were freezing on my cheeks. Like. <laughs> On my facial cheeks as I was coming out of the theater. So anyway, so I got I got <laughs> I got in the car facial though. <laughs> I got to um yeah. So uh so I got in the car and uh <laughs> stop. I can't focus. I was gonna say you know given the weather they all four of them were pretty rosy at this. So, was, so anyway, so uh, so I'm, so I walked out of um, I walked in CVS and I just thought to myself, she obviously she obviously knows there's like that that cultural divide between us just based off of like the fact that she's a like a devout from seemingly a, a devout Muslim and I'm a, you know like. Rep, willing to represent Christianity so openly or whatever, or my faith in Jesus so openly. And she obviously can can see that just from how we look and how she knows she looks and everything like that. And she was still willing to make a statement like, if the world had more people like you in it, it'd be a better place. And that blew my mind, number one, because if she knew me, she wouldn't say that, but I'm just kidding. But um, the fact that she was willing to say that given the fact that I wasn't Muslim— and then I thought, I, the whole way home, I just thought to myself, would I be willing to look at a Muslim and say that to them? Like, look at one of, like, look at, I hate to say it like that, one of them, but look at a Muslim that I didn't even know, didn't know what they were about, didn't know their family or anything. And just seeing, seeing like, her wearing the hijab on the other side, me going, well, it's great, you know, like, the world needs more people like you. Because in my mind, you know, my American Christian mind, I automatically think that that's indicative of me saying the world needs more Muslims in it. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, like, yeah, I yeah. automatically feel like, ooh, like, I can't say something like that. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, because, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. The, and so it just blew my mind that she was so serious about her faith and knowing that I had a faith that is very contradictory to hers was still willing to to affirm me in that way. And so it just blew my mind. And so I guess my closing thought, that story, just to say, don't, number one, don't don't miss an opportunity to show godly love to people, even even if you don't have to be super verbal uh, about it or like lay it all out and, and give them, you know, the gospel and, you know, the gospel by colors and tell them about hell and all that stuff. Like sometimes just the, the, the act of loving and affirming somebody um, just in that way, just f- straight up in a Jesus way like that will transcend anything that you could say to them. And I just had the thought, like, man, what if more Christians were more, like, liberal with God's love? Not not liberal in the sense of if you're conservative or liberal, but if you were just, like, super generous yeah. with God's love. Like, freely giving. Like, just, yeah. I'm going to just go around and hit everybody with some with 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 just grace and mercy and and all that stuff just like Jesus would not based off of how they look or what they're wearing or whatever what would that how many muslims could walk away from me in a week going holy crap i've never met a christian like that they yeah. would tell me that that man i'm i'm, I'm awesome or tell me that the yeah. world needs more like and it, and it, that just changed my mind about it. and so i thought about that through this whole series is man like she 
she's a good neighbor. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like she didn't, Absolutely. she didn't know me from anybody and our beliefs didn't stop her from, from showing me love and affirming yeah. me just, just based off of whatever. And so That's good. that spoke a lot to me. And if so, if, if, if the God I believe in, um, is representative of undying grace and, and unfailing love and all of that, then how much more should Christians be able to share that? And how many more people should be sharing with other people experiences that, they, that they've had with Christians yeah, that, that make positive. them feel the same way? Absolutely. You know? so. That's good, Ricky Sweet Cheeks. Yeah. Rose. I like that. Rosé. Rosé. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's good. Anybody yeah. else? Any final thoughts, Leo? Any closing thoughts? No, just fidget spinners. Uh, Carmen, any final thoughts? No, nothing. Uh, Seth, Seth, Seth. Can I do one off topic? Maybe. Yeah. It's way off topic. I'm giving you permission. That's fine. If it's a closing thought. Seth if doesn't it, ever get a, to talk. If it's so. not it's a opening thought, a new thought. Well, and it's not debatable. Uh-oh. Oh. The Detroit Lions are the best football team ever? Time out. <laughs> LeBron okay. is the GOAT. And Come the Cavs on, are going to take it in game seven. You heard it here first. That Cavs is, got it that in game is seven. not true. Holy No, guacamole. listen. I, better than Jordan. No, listen. Not even debatable. That's, Holy guacamole. Come on now. Holy. Even debatable. Listen, I, I prayed LeBron on Sunday that LeBron would never win a, a, a basketball game ever again. And so far, the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Game seven, that takes Amen. <laughs> that was so Amen. weird. You want to, sorry, you want to talk about off topic. Sam was eating M&M's. I was eating Skittles. I dropped a yellow Skittle. He dropped a yellow Eminem. I thought I picked up the yellow Skittle. I picked up the yellow Eminem, and I was like, why is this thing chocolate? Sorry, sorry. sorry. Ew. That's so gross. So we're going to wrap up here by saying go Warriors. uh, Beat LeBron. Anybody but LeBron. I'm going to make those T-shirts. Golden Golden State's going to sweep. Yeah, Cleveland won't win one game. For sure. LeBroke is a joke. Um, So from our conversation to yours. K-Love is a scrub. (laughs) From our conversation to yours, keep the conversation going. Love you. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe.